November 2011. Geoscientist Andres Russo had been trudging through the Amazon jungle for hours. He only hoped he was close to reaching his goal. He'd spent years researching the Boiling River, a mythical Peruvian tributary he'd learned about as a kid. According to legend, the waterway was so hot that it would kill any living creature that fell into its depths. But the maps of the Peruvian Amazon didn't show the river. And scientists who studied the Amazon believed that such a bizarre geothermal phenomenon couldn't possibly exist. Russo had dismissed the critics. Back in his lab at Southern Methodist University in Texas, he drafted multiple possible scenarios for how a boiling waterway could be created and sustained. He just needed proof. But out in the jungle, Russo's doubts began to overshadow his optimism. Perhaps his colleagues were right, and the stories he'd heard as a child were no more than tall tales. As Russo hiked up a ridge, he heard a faint surge of water in the distance. He asked his guide what it could be. The escort smiled and said they were close. It was the waterway they'd been searching for. As Russo bolted down the dirt trail, the afternoon sun beat down on him. The air grew warm and humid, like he'd stepped into a sauna. Thick white steam drifted through the trees. When he reached the edge of the river, he couldn't believe his eyes. The water in front of him was bubbling. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on the Boiling River, a tributary located in the Amazon rainforest. Experts consider it the hottest waterway in the world, with temperatures ranging from 100 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. This episode will recount the legends Peruvians have told about the mysterious Boiling River for centuries. Then, we'll follow geoscientist Andres Russo on his quest to find what was believed by many to be a mythical waterway. Next time, we'll dive into some of Russo's theories around what heats the tributary. We'll try to discover if the Boiling River's source is a hidden volcano, an oil field accident, or something more supernatural. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Andres Russo's fascination with the boiling river began with stories his grandfather told him as a young boy growing up in Peru. According to Russo's grandfather, in 1532, a Spanish conquistador named Francisco Pizarro led an expedition to Peru with two goals in mind, find gold and conquer the Inca Empire. Pizarro and his crew of 180 men arrived at a time of unrest in the empire. An emperor named Atahualpa had just unseated the ruler from his throne, his half-brother Huascar, which led to a civil war. Underestimated by Atahualpa and his army of 80,000 men, Pizarro took advantage of chaos in the region. On November 16, 1532, Pizarro's men attacked Atahualpa's army. Though vastly outnumbered, the Spaniards' advanced artillery overpowered the army. Before nightfall, Pizarro captured Atahualpa and took him prisoner. In custody, Atahualpa tried to broker a deal, desperate to regain his freedom and his empire. He told the Spaniards that he would fill a large room with gold and silver if they spared his life and let him go. The Spaniards were so stunned by the offer that they agreed to the ransom almost immediately. For two full months, gold, silver, and precious gems poured in from across the Inca Empire to satisfy the colonizers' demands. As the pile of riches grew, the Spaniards showed no indication that they planned to stay true to their word and release the emperor. The Inca people grew tired of Pizarro's games. Sensing their frustration, Pizarro knew he needed to stay three steps ahead. He feared that the Inca people might mobilize an army to rescue Atahualpa. So, to prevent a coup, Pizarro decided to execute Atahualpa. To appear virtuous, Pizarro summoned Atahualpa to stand trial. But the outcome had already been decided. The Inca emperor was found guilty of revolting against the Spanish, practicing idolatry, and murdering his brother Huascar. Pizarro sentenced Atahualpa to death. Atahualpa cursed his enemies. He threw three coca leaves at the Spaniards, shouting, By these leaves I damn you, white men. Mama Coca, remember their wickedness. Plague their nations and avenge me. But the curse couldn't stay the execution. In August 1533, Pizarro's men strangled Atahualpa to death. To avenge the death of their leader, the Inca formed a resistance against the invaders, but the Spaniards and their weapons could not be stopped. 
1572, they controlled all of Peru. When reports of Pizarro's achievements reached Spain, his success inspired other conquistadors to travel to the new colony in search of their own fortune. When they arrived in Peru, they asked the locals where they could find gold. And the Inca people told the Spaniards, to the east, beyond the Andes, lies the land of the plant. There you will find Paititi, a vast city made entirely of gold. The promise was more than they had even dreamed of before arriving. The Spaniards immediately launched expeditions into the Amazon, but unaware of what lay in store, few returned. Those that did came back empty-handed with terrifying stories of their time in the jungle. They claimed the trees grew so tall they blotted out the sun. Mosquitoes and flies drained their blood. The jungle left them starving, dehydrated, and insane. As one Spaniard and his crew fought through the swamp, they encountered a group of Incas who left the empire after Pizarro had taken power. Filled with anger, when they spotted the Europeans, the Incas decided to exact revenge. After taking the explorers hostage, they melted down solid gold and forced the Spaniards to drink the molten substance. It burned them from inside out, killing them. It was a slow, painful death, but the Incas saw it as an end befitting their greed. They were quenching the Spaniards' rapacious thirst for riches. Other conquistadors allegedly encountered similarly terrifying fates. While walking through the Amazon in search of Paititi, one expedition stumbled upon a throng of powerful shamans. Like the Incas, the holy men were upset by the intrusions and they apparently commanded the jungle to attack them. According to legend, tree vines grabbed at their legs and pulled them towards the ground. Harpy eagles flew down from the sky and attacked. Jaguars chased after them. As the Spaniards ran, Amazonian warriors appeared from the bushes and shot poisoned arrows at the group, killing many of them on the spot. The Spaniards who managed to escape stumbled through even more unspeakable horrors in the jungle. They dodged enormous snakes that could swallow men whole. They evaded monstrous spiders that ate birds. They even apparently came across a steaming, boiling river. When one man in their ranks accidentally fell into the waterway, it supposedly cooked him alive. The conquistadors never ended up finding the lost city of Paititi. As a young Andres Russo listened wide-eyed to his grandfather's story of European invaders and the jungle's revenge, one detail in particular jumped out to him. It wasn't Paititi, the mythical city of gold. Instead, he wondered whether the mystical boiling river that could kill a man in seconds was actually real. Years later, when he began studying geothermal science in college, Rousseau thought back to the story his grandfather told him. Fascinated by the phenomenon, he became determined to discover if there truly was a superheated tributary hidden somewhere in the dense Amazon jungle. And in his studies, he stumbled across another legend about the mysterious river. 
According to this myth, the stream's miraculous heat was caused by an ancient serpentine spirit. Next, we'll discuss the spiritual guardian of the boiling river. Every culture has them, and so many of us believe in them. They're at the intersection of chaos and fate, warning against bad omens and directing us toward fortune. But are superstitions simply about exerting control in an unpredictable world? Or can they truly sway supernatural forces to work in our favor? Every Wednesday on Superstitions, step inside stories that illustrate the horror, weirdness, and truth behind humanity's strangest codes of conduct. Why do black cats represent witchcraft? What's the point of carrying a rabbit's foot around with you? And how come certain films seem cursed and others don't? Each new episode of Superstitions presents a story that unlocks the mysteries of superstitions and surreal phenomena. They may seem mystical, or strange, or completely illogical, but one thing is certain, you ignore them at your own risk. Take a closer look at what you believe. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Superstitions, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now back to the story. For centuries, Peruvians spoke of a river in the heart of the Amazon, so hot it could kill. Many indigenous Peruvians spoke about the tributary as if it were real, but the scientific community had their doubts. When Andres Russo set out to find the mythical waterway, he learned that its stories played a role in countless native Peruvian cultures. Groups like the Ashanika, the Anesha, and the Kashibo, and other indigenous people all had connections to it. Some believed the water in the boiling river was drinkable, swimmable, and hallowed. The ancient inhabitants of the area recognized it as a waka, a Quechua word meaning sacred place. However, others feared venturing into the area of the forest where the river was said to be located. They believed the woods were host to a number of formidable demons and spirits. As a result, powerful shamans visited the river. There, the holy men communicated with the spirits and learned their secret healing abilities. The tributary's name, Shanai Timpishka, translates to boiled by the heat of the sun, but many Peruvians believed the river's properties were bestowed on it by the Yakumama, a giant serpent spirit that protected its waters. Yakumama translates to mother of water. The spirit was said to reside under a large natural sandstone sculpture. Years of rushing water had allegedly carved the rock into the shape of a serpent's head. 
It was supposedly located at the junction of two tributaries, one cold, one boiling hot. According to legend, the hot and the cold currents were Yakumama's children. The cold water spirit came from the Earth's outer surface, and the hot water spirit sprang from deep within the Earth's crust. The cold spirit sent rain and mountain streams rushing into the boiling river, attempting to lower the river's temperatures. But the hot water spirit would retaliate, sending boiling springs shooting into the river from below. The so-called fights between the two siblings caused the boiling river to roil and steam. The Yakumama could not stop her children from fighting, so instead she embraced their creation. She became the protector of the river, her grandchild. And some believe the Yakumama might be more than just a spirit. Some indigenous locals have claimed that it's a real hundred-foot-long snake. It can apparently catch and eat any living thing that passes within 100 steps of it. To protect themselves from the Yakumama, people wishing to cross the river supposedly must blow on a conch horn before entering the water. The sound would apparently force the Yakumama to reveal itself. That way, they could remove the element of surprise. Other native Peruvians have stated that the Yakumama gives warning signs whenever explorers venture too close, a loud booming sound alerting humans to its presence, the equivalent of a rattlesnake's rattle. The Yakumama could also apparently shoot down prey with deadly jets of water, destroy trees in its path, and change the course of minor streams. According to the stories, the Yakumama almost always appeared when it rained. Its favorite victims were fishermen who exploited the water's resources. European and American herpetologists have dismissed the existence of the real Yakumama, believing that the stories stem from a species of anaconda that live in the area. But many native Peruvians are adamant that it is a real living creature. They consider the Yakumama a monster, a leviathan so large that the green anaconda, the largest snake in the world, pales in comparison. And while many scientists are dismissive, on two occasions, explorers have allegedly come face to face with the beast. In 1906, the Royal Geographical Society commissioned British explorer Percy Fawcett to map areas of the Amazon near the border of Brazil and Bolivia. While on an expedition, Fawcett and his team came across some unusually large channels of water carved into the swampy banks. Each was about six feet wide. As they rode upstream, something beneath the surface swam close to Fawcett's canoe. Then a colossal anaconda with an enormous triangular head emerged from the river. Terrified, Fawcett quickly shot the snake dead with an arrow. In awe of its size, he measured its gargantuan carcass. To his surprise, the explorer discovered that the animal was a whopping 62 feet long. For perspective, that's more than 10 feet longer than the average stretched limousine. The green anaconda, considered the largest snake in the world, has an average length of about half the size, 20 to 30 feet. 
Fawcett and his team had no means of hauling the corpse back to civilization. It was too large to fit into their boat, so they were forced to leave it in the jungle. When Fawcett returned and told his story, academics ridiculed him. They reasoned that it was impossible for a snake to grow that large. But Fawcett stood by his claims. Though he could never prove it was the Yakumama, it certainly matched the serpentine spirit's description. Or perhaps the snake Fawcett shot in Brazil was kin to the Yakumama that dwelled in the boiling river. But since there is no scientific analysis of its corpse, we'll never know. Controversy festered for decades around Fawcett's reportedly 62-foot-long snake. But in 1985, one man made a discovery that might have proved that Fawcett wasn't exaggerating. 79 years after Fawcett's alleged encounter, Northern Irish lithographer Mike Warner became fascinated with the story. He believed Fawcett had encountered the Yakumama and spent the next 24 years gathering information on the legendary snake. Based on his data, Warner believed he would find the Yakumama living near the junction of two rivers. Armed with this theory, Warner set out to Peru to find the beast. Along with his son Greg, Warner assembled a troop of cryptozoologists to capture aerial photographs of the Amazon rainforest, and ideally, the Yakumama. In March 2009, the group embarked on an expedition to the confluence of the Napo and Amazon rivers, just a one-hour plane ride from the Boiling River. Over 12 days, the Warners took hundreds of photographs of the region and recorded over five hours of footage. What they found astonished them. Soon after returning home, Mike Warner announced that they had captured proof of the Yakumama's existence, a photo of a giant snake slithering through a watery channel. However, they didn't convince everyone. Critics contended that the alleged serpent was nothing more than a long, narrow sandbank. But the Warners maintained that in the hundreds of images and hours of video taken from their expedition, there was no evidence of sandbars in the Napo and Amazon confluence. And around the same time they photographed the serpent, a giant black boa reportedly destroyed a house on a nearby lake. Mike Warner believed the boa and the snake in the picture were the same creature, the Yakumama. The team shared their evidence with the Peruvian government, the National Geographic Society, and Queen's University in Belfast. The Minister of Ecotourism in Peru and a senior editor at National Geographic contacted Mike and Greg, expressing interest in their discoveries. With more private funding, the Warners and their team planned a trip back to the Amazon in 2010 to continue their research. Warners spoke with hundreds of native Peruvians who claimed to have encounters with the famed serpent. He noted that these witnesses described a huge dark brown horned snake that carries its water with it. Warner hypothesized that carrying its water meant that the Yakumama used water pressure to stun its prey and support its skeletal structure. Perhaps it filled extra bladders or sacs with this liquid when swimming in a river or swamp. It's unclear how exactly Warner came to this conclusion, but his other conjectures seemed relatively plausible. 
The reports of the beast's horns led Warner to theorize that the Yakumama could be a giant prehistoric version of a modern-day Sicilian. These are long, limbless amphibians that resemble snakes or giant worms. Most Sicilians have a groove running along their head that contains retractable tentacles. To a casual observer, these tentacles look a lot like horns. Unfortunately, there's no conclusive proof or clear documentation online supporting Warner's suggestion that the Yakumama is actually a giant Sicilian. Like the Boiling River itself, some believe the monstrous serpent is no more than a myth. But whether this massive snake is real, the legend offers a unique glimpse into Peru's indigenous culture and mythology especially their relationship with the spirits of the rainforest. In addition to the Yakumama, native Peruvians claim other specters roam the boiling river. Gnomes, elves, giant jungle crabs, human-animal hybrids, and spiteful shapeshifters called shapshikos. Shapshikos are said to appear when someone is alone in the jungle. The spirit then takes the form of a loved one or friend and asks the unsuspecting human to follow it. Once the creature lures the person deep into the jungle, it corrupts them until they become a malicious demon. But not all the specters are malevolent. According to legend, in a large pool along the boiling river, the Sumiruna, a 100-foot-tall local guardian spirit, lived. A master of earth, water, and air, the Sumiruna only appeared to those preparing for spiritual healing. And while many describe the Yakumama as a dangerous and terrifying predator, the serpent is also considered to be the matriarch of all creatures, ancient and wise. Much like the Boiling River itself, the Yakumama's power can be both frightening and extraordinary. After Andres Russo first heard the stories of the Yakumama, he felt inspired. Like Warner and Fawcett before him, he was determined to prove his hypothesis. The Boiling River really did exist. And he found much more than he bargained for. Coming up, Russo's search for the Boiling River. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now back to the story. In the 1500s, Spanish conquistadors wandered into the Amazon jungle in search of a lost city of gold. But instead of riches, they found vengeful shamans, man-eating snakes, and a steaming, scalding river. Many scientists dismissed the Boiling River's existence because no one had discovered a similar phenomena in the Amazon. But the possibility of a superheated waterway in the heart of the Peruvian jungle fascinated geothermal scientist Andres Russo. In March 2011, Russo was working on his PhD in geophysics at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. 
he decided that for his dissertation, he would create the first detailed heat flow map of Peru. This chart would measure the thermal energy moving in the region through the Earth's crust to its surface. By examining Peruvian sites on a heat map, Russo could quantify deep Earth temperatures without drilling any new wells and harming the environment. And if he was lucky, his research would lead him to the source of the Boiling River myths. Russo proposed the idea to a senior geologist and mentioned the legend as the impetus for his research. His colleague appreciated Russo's proposal, but questioned the validity of the legends. He claimed he didn't know of any superheated rivers in the Amazon. Disheartened by the geologist's response, Russo sought help from different scientists. He asked his colleagues if they had heard of a boiling river in the Amazon, but each of them assured him that there wasn't one. The scientific community's reaction disappointed Russo. But fortunately, he had another support system he could turn to, his family. In June 2011, Russo visited his aunt Gita's home in Lima. While telling her about his PhD, he discovered two incredible things. First, the Boiling River existed. And second, his aunt swam in it. Russo laughed off the story at first. But his uncle Eo chimed in to confirm Gita's claim. He mentioned that the water was so hot they could only swim in it after a very heavy rain. Russo's aunt and uncle mentioned a healing retreat called Mayantuyaku. It was a sanctuary for plant-based therapy close to multiple hot springs. According to Gita and Eo, the boiling river flowed right in front of it. Curious, Russo tried conducting some research online. When he learned that the retreat didn't have a website, he attempted to search for the sanctuary on Google Earth. He zeroed in on Mayantuyaku's most likely location based on his aunt and uncle's descriptions. But nothing appeared, just pictures of the impenetrable rainforest canopy. Gita gave Russo the number and email address for Mayantuyaku. For months, he repeatedly called and messaged the healing center, but received no response. His optimism gave way to frustration. Having reached one dead end, Russo shifted gears. He searched for reports of a large thermal river near Pukaipa, the closest city to the suspected location of Mayuntuyaku. But there was no such body of water on any Peruvian government records or maps. In October 2011, Russo visited his family in Lima once again. His aunt asked if he made contact with Mayantuyaku. He opened his laptop to search for the center one last time. As luck would have it, the healing center finally had a working website. Russo was still hesitant. The site listed the same number and email he had been trying to reach for months, but it also contained a physical address for an office in Pukayapa. Gita was hopeful about Russo's prospects. She suggested that the two of them go into the jungle and find the boiling river together. In November, Russo and his aunt flew one hour from Lima to Pucayapa, the largest city in the central Peruvian Amazon. 
Though mostly isolated from other towns, Pucayapa was a bustling metropolis with a population of about 330,000 people. From Pucayapa, they drove two hours over red dirt roads to the Pachitea River, an Amazonian tributary over 300 meters wide. Once they arrived, they met with the apprentice of a shaman who apparently guarded the boiling river. The apprentice told them that Maestro Juan Flores Salazar had presided over the Amazonian sanctuary of Mayantuyacu since 2001. Born into a traditional healer family, he practiced plant-based medicinal techniques at the retreat, treating people with tobacco, bark, natural fragrances, and ayahuasca. The apprentice told them that Salazar would be pleased to see Russo and Gita. He ushered them into a motorized canoe, and they set off for the mouth of the Pachitea River. As they were told they were approaching the junction of the Pachitea and the Boiling River, the shaman's apprentice encouraged Russo and Gita to stick their hands in the muddy brown water. Russo had been dreaming of this moment. At first, the water felt cold. As the boat motored further into the river, the temperatures started to climb, but it was far from boiling. Eventually, the apprentice pulled ashore. Disembarking from the boat, they climbed to the top of the riverbank and walked down a thin, muddy trail into the depths of the Amazon rainforest. Along the way, Russo noticed a heavily eroded dirt road cutting through the jungle. He asked the shaman's apprentice who used it. The man replied that loggers often came through the area and chopped down the biggest trees. Russo's aunt chimed in with a similar story. She recounted that when she visited the Boiling River many years before, she witnessed the loggers cutting down timber and burning paths to drag the trunks to the river. Most of those trees, which local native Peruvians believed contained powerful healing spirits, were then used to make plywood. This revelation angered Russo. He worried that this indicated that the Boiling River was actually the result of man's destructive practices. Shanai Timpishka was only a mile and a half or so from the oldest active oil field in the Peruvian Amazon. Russo felt frightened that an oil or gas leak could have accidentally created a geothermal system that powered the river. Rather than a breathtaking natural phenomenon, this could mean that the waterway was actually poisoning the forest. As Russo ruminated on his concerns, the group stopped at a large painted wooden sign. It read, Mayantuyaku, Zona Prohibida. The shaman's apprentice explained that Mayantuyaku forbade loggers from entering their grounds. The sanctuary was only open to those seeking healing through traditional natural medicines. Russo breathed a sigh of relief. If the shaman of Mayantuyaku truly protected the boiling river from the companies exploiting the forest, perhaps his worries were unfounded. As they trudged up a hill, Russo heard a low surging sound in the distance. He asked the apprentice what it was. The apprentice smiled and said it was the boiling river. Ecstatic, Russo ran toward the noise. Once he made it out of a clearing, 
he found a stunning view. As Russo described in his book, turquoise waters rushed past banks of ivory-colored rock. Giant trees formed green walls against the river. Wisps of white vapor draped the river's surface. Russo couldn't believe it. His grandfather and aunt had been right all along. As he descended towards the water's edge, Russo felt the air grow hot and thick around him. He described the sensation as being similar to being inside a sauna that was inside a toaster oven. Russo removed the thermometer from his backpack and slowly lowered it into the river. Holding his breath, he watched the readings calibrate on the screen. The numbers adjusted to 85.6 degrees Celsius, around 186 degrees Fahrenheit. Russo deduced that at their current elevation, water boiled just under 100 degrees Celsius or 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It wasn't quite boiling, but it was close. The legends were true. There was a steaming waterway at the heart of the Peruvian Amazon, and he'd found it. Rousseau repeated the measurements a few more times to see if the temperature was consistent. The thermometer showed 86 degrees Celsius, or around 187 degrees Fahrenheit, in every spot. Rousseau knew that dipping his hand in would give him third-degree burns in less than a second. Falling in could easily kill him. According to Rousseau, the temperatures were typical of many volcanic and non-volcanic geothermal systems. But what struck Russo most was the impressive volume of the superheated water. All told, the boiling river stretched for over four miles. And as far as anyone knew, the nearest active volcano was located more than 400 miles away. Russo considered a few hypotheses. First, he contended that an as-yet-undiscovered underground volcano might have been heating the river. This was the case for a waterway in Yellowstone National Park. Russo's second thought was that the river was not a natural phenomenon at all. He knew many cases both in Peru and abroad where oil field accidents had caused geothermal anomalies. And finally, Russo's third hypothesis, that the Earth itself was heating the waters. Even without a nearby volcano, Groundwater could possibly become superheated when exposed to the heat of the Earth's interior. Perhaps jets of this water shot into the river at Mayantuyaku, producing the boiling effect on the surface. Standing on the edge of the bank, breathing in the steam, Russo took a moment to bask in his successful journey. But he knew the work was far from over. He could only hope that an answer lay somewhere close by hidden by the swirling white mists of the river. Next time, we'll follow Andres Russo as he tries to fulfill a childhood dream and discover the system that heats the boiling river. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Thursday with part two of The Boiling River. For more information on the geothermal phenomenon, amongst the many sources we used, we found Andres Russo's book, The Boiling River, extremely helpful to our research. 
You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Sam Rosenberg, with writing assistance by Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brad Klein and Brian Petrus. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner.